like a mix between Latter Day Saints and uh, Midsummer. Have you seen the movie Midsummer? Oh yeah. <laughs> so people are like very friendly. Um, he's a very friendly guy, but he's also you know seen some shit, and he's also had some time to kind of reflect on um, what he's been a part of uh, now that he's out. And his uh, the reason he got thrown out is because. His grandson was attacked uh, at a church potluck or some after-church picnic event, and like a bugbear. I, I wanted to pick something that was more the worked in the world, but some kind of. Uh, Can we a troll? Trolls are a big, big problem. Troll, troll, and he conjures a magic missile in a moment of just you know, it's got to happen, and you know, the congregation is like, you know, that was the wrong move. Tested and you failed. Like uh, this is what if this is what why we are the way we are is when we're faced with these tough choices. We don't resort to uh, you know the arcane. What's um your son's name? Elric. Eric. Elric. What's an L? Oh, like the famous Elric Melnabone. Yeah. Alright, so, I like this. Now, the cult you were in, it was the cult of the Night Lantern? Yeah, I was thinking Night Lantern or Wave Mother. I was obviously leaving, <clears throat> leaning Night uh, Lantern with the lore. I think Night Lantern could work. One of the Night Lantern's actual, like, domains is magic, but I think that the way they see it, only Lamp Keepers should be allowed to, like, use magic. Like, it's a divine right. And, uh, like, mages and other religions and, like, nobles using these things to their advantage are, as they see it, evil and wrong. And pretty much anyone using magic that's not a lampkeeper of, like, one of the higher higher clerics of the Night Lantern. Yeah, I think that, basically, uh, he was acting above his station. Yeah, like, uh, magic's not for you, like, that's the biggest sin. Like, untrained or, you know, magic for your own personal use. <sighs> Is all bad. <laughs> um, cool. So you know, in uh, Black Hack, you get uh, a background, what they call a background, which is you just take you know the boiled down version of your backstory and put it into like a sentence or a phrase. For you, it's pretty much just uh, anti-magic cultist would be what I would say it, it is. But the way the background works is. If you can argue at some point in the session uh, how your background would have given you insider knowledge, an edge, or some sort of advantage at a task you're doing, you basically can give yourself one free advantage per session by doing that. And you can like make up any little backstory you want to, to you know explain it away, which is kind of the fun part. You get to like world build a little piece of your backstory, like oh when I was a kid we you know used to have to run on treetops because I'm a you know an elf child is my background. And so now that I'm like falling out of a tree, I'm going to take advantage on, you know, saving myself, etc. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I really like how the background works, but so yeah, yours is Cultist, your hometown where is he from? I I thought it would be like a um, like kind of like a small commune. Um but I didn't have, like, a set town. Like, it's kind of like they're in and of themselves. Sure, yeah, I mean, you can just, you know, make up whatever name you want for it. And if you point it on the map, I'll put you a little map marker on there. Hold on, let me put you back on Tridia. There we go. Okay, 
Okay, so I wanted to be kind of close to Sarkan, so I was thinking like far edge of the map over here. Okay. Um, like on the trade route there, or a little more into the desert? Probably in between the two trade routes, sort of. Okay. Um, and Sarkan is kind of like, you know, this nearby metropolis that's like, you know, this hive of scum and villainy that they, you know, they talk about. Like, <laughs> yeah, you keep acting like that, you'll end up in Sarkan. Yeah, it's like the Las Vegas of uh, the area, and you're the Mormons. Exactly. Um, huh. So, uh, I don't have a good name for the sect or the cult town. Um, we can roll something later, or actually real quick here, let me roll a... We like uh, really plain-spoken names in this universe. What about Grim Dune? Perfect. I was thinking some Dune, and a Grim is the perfect Dune. Dope. I put a little Grim Dune down there for you. <laughs> so yeah, he's you know Grim Dune. They've, they're a little weird sect, and they're kind of not. They're kind of like an offshoot where they kind of do their own things. You know they. They keep their traditions. They uh, follow their version of uh, the cult rituals and stuff. Um, but Cedric's been vanished for about six months now. So he's not quite. Uh, he's really despondent and just super. That's kind of why he went to Sarkhan. was just like, you know, I'm going to go to the place where they always told me not to. You know, if they're getting rid of me, then, you know, what's the point? Um, the, the cult still has, like, your wife and kid, right? Yeah, my grandson is still there. Um, oh, it's my, your grandson. My grandson, yeah. My wife is still there. My, I have a, a, a fairly large family who, um, who I'm now completely shunned from. Uh, and that's kind of part of Cedric's problem is that in the six months where he's been in Sarkhan and he has been talking to Asgir um, and learning about... Uh, magic and kind of kind of coming to the realization that it's not it's you know it's a tool it's it's uh how you use it that could be good or evil totally this is like we're in an age now where magic is becoming a really practical thing like a lot of societies are building you know they're, they're learning you can do things like power machines etc etc so yeah so he's kind of having this realization and now he's kind of overcome with this guilt that oh my god like we were so backwards, and these people who live here, there's good people and bad people in Sarkhan, just like anywhere else, and we had these preconceived notions, and we had these preconceived notions about magic, and my perception was skewed, and I have put my family in a cult that I thought, you know, he would never have described it as a cult. He thought it was a commune, you know, like a commune. Like sure. A family. I, I would say, too, in this world, the, they use the cult in the old sense. Like, every religion is a cult here, so. But also, every religion does crazy magic shit so every religion is bad <laughs> yeah right if there was a um, it was a good cult yeah. uh, so he um, you know he's dealing with that now and that's kind of why he's studying these arcane tomes and artifacts and saying you know he has discovered that you know he can utilize this power is there something he can do to kind of show them the light you know is there some way he can utilize this new power to kind of uh undo the mistakes that he's made 
All right, I like that. So, again, let's nail down a couple details. When they kicked you out of your village, is there like an elder in the cult or some sort of leader that we can give a name to? Uh, how about Elder, uh, Comsgrove? C-O-M Grove? Oh, Coms. yeah. And I was an elder as well, uh, but he was head elder. Oh, so I he see. was head elder, and there's a council, and so, you know, I'm, it's not my first time around the block, you know, I was pretty high up in this thing. Um, and I think he'd also become, it wasn't like the moment he got kicked out that he was like, this is bullshit. He'd kind of started to become disillusioned with the leadership, but sure. it was a situation where it was like, okay, you know, my friend, my entire social circle, my entire life is wrapped up in this, and I'm 70. Like Nice. I uh, I like this because right, Lauren and I are obsessed with Scientology and how fucking wacky it is, and she reads a lot of books and watches a lot of movies about it, and this is giving me big Scientology vibes. Yeah, uh, Cedric is really obsessed with Alright, so... I'm gonna call him Lampkeeper Com- Comsgrove. He's allowed to use magic, just not you, asshole. Yes. So I put he expelled Cedric by turning the rest of the the council elders against him after his magical outburst. So, um, nice. Your yeah. your ally. My ally is uh, the often mentioned Asgir. Really gets around. Uh, so that should be interesting. Um, Cedric is pretty lonely. Um, he's an outsider to this place. Um, he doesn't know how to really interact with people outside of his little sect. Um, so Asgir, he he would really consider Asgir like a close ally, and Asgir would be like, "Oh God, I'm not drunk enough for this." <laughs> when, uh, what's Asgir's gender? She's a, a she. So when she sees him, she's just like, oh my god. But he buys the drinks, and he'll bring his little homework, things he's been looking at, books from the library, scrolls and stuff, that he's like, in this particular section, there seems to be a discrepancy. Could you expand on that? Nice, yeah, I'm sure she's she's shown you that you uh, you don't need other people to learn magic and stuff, except for, you know, but one or two friends like her. Yeah, so as long as he's buying the drinks, Cedric does not partake. But as long as she, he's buying the drinks, you know, she'll kind of tolerate him. And she does kind of have a soft spot for him. But I see Asgir as kind of gruff and just like, you know. Oh, yeah, very much. All right. And who was your other rival that you chose? Stelvin. Scoundrel. <laughs> Miscreant. Murderer. Uh, I hate Stalvin. He's a rat catcher with a photographic memory. And um, when Cedric first got his little hovel in Sarkani, uh, got two rats, uh, Mork and Mindy, and, um, <laughs> he loved these rats, he was training them, you know, they were his friends, they were really his only companions, um, and Starvin would, uh, talk shit when he'd see him, like, in the common area, they lived in, like, the same, like, complex, and he'd be like, you know, you're gonna get the plague! Kinda like, uh, just like heckle him, you know. Just like he, he's a rat catcher. This is ridiculous. This guy's fiddling around with these disease-spreading nuisances. Um, and he also seems not to like Cedric. You know, it was just uh, you know Cedric would kind of ignore him and not really um, 
don't worry about him, Mork. He's, he's, he's got other problems, clearly. <laughs> and um, then one day Cedric Tim comes home, and his rats are smashed on in the middle of his one-room little apartment. And Cedric has no proof that it was Stalvin who kills his rats, but he knows. He knows it was Stalvin. Um, and he confronted Stalvin. He's like, Confess! Murderer! <laughs> and Stalvin's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know? He's like, oh, those were your pets? I kill all rats I see, so I wouldn't know if it was them or a different rat. I can't tell them yeah. apart. And then he stomps a rat with his boot. And then he's like, oh, it's time to me. And then he's like, see ya. And then he spits his cigarette and <laughs> leaves. Uh, Alright, that's great. Cedric's burn up about it. He's really... Just, it's been months since that happened, and he's still just, like, lit up about it. Great. Alright, that's Cedric. That's good. Uh, Cedric, nominate somebody else. Uh, Julie, you want to go? Sure. Alright. Um, so I told Andy that we should tell you guys that we insist on being brother and sister in-game as well. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but, um, no, we're not at all. Uh, but I did think it was really funny. Like, no, we are only brother and sister. <laughs> um, but we're not. I don't know that guy. Um, my character is Cora Dean Finstock. And she is a cleric. Uh, she grew up in the small town... Um, like outside of Solaria, not close at all, but that's kind of the closest town. And her, so I don't know exactly what the situation is like with the police. Cause I know you described the two, um, but her dad or her, like her family has always been like the law of this town. So it just kind of like nepotism passed down. Um, and so eventually like her dad was like the sheriff or whatever, name and title um and so she grew up in that town with her dad always being like in this world like it's like her dad is a sheriff but he's also kind of like the top man in town you know nothing happens without the sheriff you know going through the sheriff first so that's kind of my thought for her upbringing and then like their house is split into like a front house where they have like a living area and then there's a kitchen and then the kitchen like joins the jailhouse where it's like uh, her dad's office and then these like jail cells so she grew up like that was pretty much their full-time job was uh keeping this when when there were people in jail and it was like sometimes fun for her because sometimes it would just be like drunks who were just like drying out overnight and then sometimes it would be kind of scary not that there was a ton of crime necessarily in this small town um but she did kind of find a talent for caring for these like people would come in roughed up or if they'd been in a fight you know she would care for the people uh, who were in there and it kind of gave her a softness for her uh, for people of all backgrounds and uh, she also kind of found her own ways to take care of them uh, maybe a little bit um, unusual uh, for her own like little homemade remedies she would do but it was always something that she really enjoyed and found found like she had, like calling for that um and then she grew up uh she continued to do that and it just kind of became something that she always just helped her dad with he lived uh, got really old and he died and when he did they kind of didn't make his son the like her brother they didn't they they kind of decided that maybe we should not do that anymore, the town as a whole. So this person was put in charge who was 
um, not very nice. She just, you know, cruel. And she uh, had a big problem with that. And it was just like a lot of butting heads. And then they uh, were put in a position where they had to leave because they wouldn't follow, you know, fall in line. And so she and her husband and their kids left. And the, her kids grew up, like her kids are raised. So she's probably like, she's like had kids young. So she's probably like in her fifties, but her kids are like grown and out of the house and her husband died. So she's like on her own, uh, not really sure what to do. And the only thing that she feels like she needs to do is like take care of people. So she is kind of going out in the world and trying to find uh, people who need her in a place where she can feel like she has worth because she thinks that her worth is caring for others. All right. I like it. I have questions though. Sure. Uh, so when your father, the sheriff, died, how did he die? Well, I didn't know if that would be something that I would know or that I would think I know and maybe I don't actually know as like a character. You know, like she thinks that he just got old and died. Um, and maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Was she like a, I mean, how old was she? She was like grown. So she continued to do that like well into her life. Um, I just kind of, her kind of like Queen Elizabeth is like a million. You know, he just lived a really long life. He was well taken care of and strong as a horse. Uh, my, I'm and just curious how she how she doesn't know if she was grown when he died. Was she not around, I guess? or No, I just mean maybe like she thinks he died of old age, but maybe something else happened that she doesn't know about in the story. I see. That you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. If you want to take some control of that, you could. I don't want to be like, he definitely had cancer, you know? Sure. Yeah. I. I. That, I um. But as far as you know, he was like old and in bed, like you know, at that point of his life. Yeah. 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 I mean, it wasn't a surprise that he died, but he was also like uh, very much able to do his job up until, you know, maybe he just dropped out of a heart attack. Okay. And so, what was the name of this new sheriff that you like clashed with when they came into power? Um, I was thinking like Alden Howard. Oh, yeah. You know, I this think... I went to high school with who wars wear a belt buckle. I was really envisioning when I was, like, starting to build this world it as, like, this, like, fantasy, like, you know, Spain and Sahara kind of, like, meeting each other, but it's really just Texas. It's fantasy Texas. Perfect. It's what it's turned into very, very quickly. Not just because of you, but because of me and everyone else too but i'm here for it uh alden howard is a great name um he became sheriff after your dad passed away yeah i think so i think that they were kind of like gotten into an age where they're like maybe it shouldn't just be the kid of the person who did it before and it turned out to be a really bad choice yeah, how did you clash with them specifically? Or what I'm really interested in is there had to be some tense moment that led uh, to the final decision. There had to be a straw that broke the camel's back as far as we're packing up, we're leaving. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know how much detail I should get into or if that would like come out in roleplay. But so he, I think that uh, he is really callous and really cruel. And there were situations where um, there were people who, I think that it was just like judge, jury, and executioner style. Like he would make a decision about something and give someone the punishment that he felt was necessary. And I don't think that that was something that she felt like it wasn't, like people weren't getting justice. 
And she always felt like her dad was like a very fair man and people like they weren't being heard. Um, so I think there's probably a situation where like someone who like has a bright future, but has just screwed up, you know, you make a few bad decisions and suddenly like your life has taken a completely different turn. So maybe like a young, like a boy in town who's like in his twenties and she always kind of felt like, um, motherly toward him, but he just couldn't stay out of trouble. Sure. And I like the idea that maybe you even like, you know, had seen him, you know, whatever, pass out in the gutter, like helped him or brought him somewhere in past yes, occasions. Absolutely. And like knew his parents and like saw him, you know, it's a small town, like saw him growing up and like knew that he was like a bright kid, but just didn't, he just had a streak in him that could, he couldn't stay out of trouble. And so I think maybe, um, he was, I don't, I don't know, killed or, you know, wounded in a way that left him you know unable to let's just say the dude fucking hung him yeah so sad what was the kid's name um just do a first name even let's say his name was well can we go i'm open to suggestions can we go with like dylan that sounds like a young kid who's like sweet but in trouble right yeah that's good and like also from texas totally Dill. Cora has to leave after uh, Alden executed Dylan, a young, troubled local. Yeah, with a good heart, you know. He could have been something, and she felt that strongly. Um, and I think that also they don't, like, I think that he, the sheriff, like, comes to her, you know, comes to their family and is like, look, you were supposed to, you're the next, like, I'm the next in line, like, showing your support of me, like, would put a lot of faith in the town and like you know what you're doing is like embarrassing me uh, by not supporting me and puts her in a position where she feels like they're in danger and so they kind of flee rather than just like we're leaving i think that they pack up and go like in the night kind of thing yeah for sure like i like that Uh, there's a scene in my head where like you know she confronts this new sheriff being like you cannot like go through with this thing that you're gonna do later and he's like, try and stop me, because like you'll be next, and they, and then you're just gone after that. Sure. Or whatever, you know, the concentration yes. might have been. But um, great, I love that. Uh, what about your ally that you chose? Okay, so I chose Orphelia. I feel like uh, she's the orc princess running from her arranged marriage. Um, I think that, um, like Cora or Cora Dean, to those who are close with her. Um, she kind of just looked for like women's shelters or places like babies. She loves, like she just feels like the babies of the world. She's put here to take care of the babies of the world and kind of thinks that like, we're all that baby that we once were when we were born perfect and innocent and, you know, had no motives or plans for life. And then the world kind of got a hold of us and made us wicked. So she, I think has gravitated to her like women and children centers and stuff like that. And this, um, Orphelia uh, came and like needed um, you know a place to stay and they were going to turn her away because she's an orc does that make sense yeah totally or is that rude? no absolutely okay. um, and so then she like stands up for her and is like you know she's just she belongs here just as much as any of the rest of us um, and then they become friends awesome lended her kindness love it alright and your um, other rival that you had chose El Didymus. Is it Didymus? Yeah. Yeah. So Didymus is the merchant police detective. I think that when she gets into town, she sees him 
and he reminds her of Alden. And, he, you know, just something about him is just rubs her the wrong way. She thinks that he also is not big on justice or caring about, like, you know, it's more about closing the case than it is about getting the right person. Sure. Maybe even also about getting kickbacks or just be having this comfy lifestyle, whatever that comes with his special police position. Yeah. And I think maybe he showed, like, a particular unkindness to, you know, one of the things that's soft in her are children uh, or women or young people. I think that she sees, I think she thinks that uh, there's a lot of people who really need to be given another chance and that this world is not kind to people who make mistakes and, like, people make mistakes and that needs to be. So I think that she kind of feels like she's a cleric. She sees something like that happen, you know. She's a cleric of the mother. Yes. Nice. Okay, perfect. Cool. I like that a lot. And yeah, so he was like, he did something terrible or like in, jailed two like kids in front of you or something. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it could be like where he was. I don't I don't know what this character is going to be. Like if he is really mean where he like lets the merchant cut off one the boy's hand or if that's, a you know, I'm not sure. But I think that yeah. she sees it and she finds it just absolutely appalling and thinks that he is. Just a big old dick. And I don't think she's quiet about it. I don't think, I think that she's, I think she's found her voice and I don't think that she's willing to, I think that she maybe said something to him. Like, that's not right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I like that. Okay. Juicy. Let me save my notes here. All right. That's Cora. Cora, you can nominate someone else. So we have either Davis, who is... Oh, can everybody set their typing as, by the way? If you don't know how to do that, um, there's a little drop-down under the chat window in Real 20, like where you would type into chat. If you pick your character sheet name from there, it'll change your little character icon. I think, yeah, Julie, you're the only one. And Davis, if you can change your character screen name in Real 20 for me. Uh, I want to hear about Zuzu Von Moxie. <laughs> Are we calling Zuzu Von since we have two zoo people in the group? We're just going by Von for like uh, short. Uh, I'll, I'll explain it. It's actually a lengthening of his name. It's not a short name. Uh, but yeah. I don't know how uh, I feel about having two characters with such close names. So it's really going to give me a problem. I can, I can change mine up. I didn't know. I didn't know that. You know. <laughs> Sorry. He had that name. I, I typed my name. I hadn't I read that name yet, so I can change mine up. But um, Zuzu Von Moxie. Uh, we can call him Von for short if we want, um, just to differentiate for now. Uh, but Vaughn spent his early life uh, pressed to the sides of a cliff garden in Jardine as the son of a serf, um, tending to the hanging gardens of a minor lord, one Ruger Sert. Uh, his father fell when he was around 15, and he escaped weeks later into the sands of Iron Eel after inciting a riot over a piece of shade along the cliff. Um, he was farming during the day. Uh, barely surviving the sun and windblown glass sand. That's one of the ways that they keep like the indentured servants and the slaves and stuff in the city is by discarding the broken glass around the outskirts of the city. Um, 
So you, you got to basically leave by like the roads and wagon and stuff like that. Cool. I like that. Um, you know, uh, in South America, sorry to interrupt. Um, my, you know, my wife is half Venezuelan. Uh, her mom, like when she was a kid living in Venezuela, they used to put bottles along the, along the tops of their fences. Cause you know, all the like yards of the houses are fenced in. They have to be. Um, and they would put bottles along the tops and they'd break the bottles. So the tops of their fences were like lined with broken glass so people couldn't climb over. Yep. Yep. Very simple. Very effective. Class sucks. Um, he was found collapsed and partially buried underneath the multicolored grains by a roving band of raiders called the Felonius Set. Um, he was inculcated in the ways of the desert barbarians after being taken deep into the heart of the desert to a tiny oasis they call the Cat's Eye, resembling just that from above along the cliffs that surround it. It was ruled over by a triumvirate of treasure hunters named Yelton Iskert, Daz Harton, and the youngest Sugar Velmont, who had been born and raised in the Cat's Eye. Uh, few could ever find it as its mirage is cast 60 feet below the desert sands. And uh, Zuzu spent his life raiding the desert with his companions and friends who had rescued him looking for lost, or looking for the lost and buried and extorting those that found themselves lost or buried. He added the Vaughn to his name because it thought it made him sound classier. Um, and he's a barbarian. Uh... Although, like, calling them, like, raiders is more like calling them, like, Indiana Jones raiders, you know? And they don't really, like, raid caravans, per se. They kind of raid lost treasure. Um, Alright. And his goals are... Um, to find his desert, er, find his fortune in the heart of the desert under his own strength and claim, um, and he must help change the desert once he has his fortune. He's kind of a farmer at heart, although he, he became a barbarian. He actually loved farming. It's just the fact that he was forced to do it, and um, kind of like. I'm envisioning they they force a lot of the the slaves and indentured servants and you know serfs to stay up amongst the cliffs in the gardens and kind of dug holes in the cliff walls basically. Um, so it's not a very glamorous or fun life, but yeah, um, they are awesome gardens and whatever. So okay, yeah, just rewinding. I'm just I'm typing a lot. It's a lot of lore uh, coming at me at once. Um, so. He was a hanging garden farmer in Jardine, but he did that as an indentured servant to a noble there, is what you, you said, right? Yep. What was the noble's yep. name again? The, na- the name of the noble was uh, R- Ruger Sert. Okay. And what was the, how did you leave or why from, the, from Jardine again to become uh, one of these felonious set? Um, he'd basically never been happy, like, doing what he did he'd grown up doing it with his father and his father fell from the gardens and died you know um so he basically got in a fight and incited a riot and within that riot he climbed up the side of the gardens and left like it was just a giant riot like people sides of these um, this cliff face and like 
just brawling and so he uh in the madness of people climbing down trying to stop it and um whatever he kind of made his way up to the upper city and escaped um awesome yeah and then yeah he became this raider so for your background your mechanical background are you going to go with raider or farmer slash indentured servant um because you gotta narrow it to one or the other even if they both are part of your background i'm gonna like he's he's his dream is to get a farm eventually and to like establish maybe a small farming community or something so um he, i think farmer is fine for his background okay well the the way i would interpret your mechanical background which one gave you the a more broad set of skills that you really sharpened you know i guess probably the i mean probably the raider i mean it's what he did is his growing life like yeah, because the background, the, the, the mechanical background represents your your bat your repertoire of you know learned skills from working essentially. Yeah, so it's probably the raider. I mean, he's he's like thirty five, so he's been raiding tombs for his whole life, pretty much. All right. Um, let's see. Who is your rival? My rival is Erg. I changed this up a li- little. I hope it's all right. Yeah, that's um, fine. Erg, a desert raider, exiled from their band for betraying them over a chessboard and and other miscellaneous items. But um, Zuzu still wants his chess set back. Uh, or Vaughn, I guess. Um, it had been Vaughn's most prized possession. Found in a dangerous sunken city deep in the Doran Wastes, and Erg, his former neighbor and best friend, had stolen and sold it in Sarkhan out of spite after a particularly brutal losing streak, along with many other pilfered items from different members of the Flonius set. Made of transparent colored blue and yellow crystal, the board and pieces reflect light in a spectacular way, and Erg has been seen with the Gulag Gang, or the Gulag, Gulag Gang. Um, we're known for making ghoul powder. Alright, so. Let's see. Alright, and your ally? My ally is Olaf, a grizzled teamster for hire with a custom crossbow. Um, Olaf has had many a run-in with the felonious set over the years, all of them positive and mutually beneficial, and Zuzu immediately grew to like his straightforward and down-to-earth attitude. They both share the dream of owning their own farm, although Olaf thinks Zuzu is crazy for wanting to climb back down the cliffs for his, and Zuzu thinks Olaf is daft for putting in his honest labor to try for his, so... Kind of... Zuzu believes in luck and finding his fortune in the desert and not really like signing up for jobs and you know doing the nine to five thing all right let me just sorry finish up typing here okay 
And that leaves us to Dante last. Yep. By the way, thanks everyone for waiting while I hash this out with each person, but I think it also helps everyone get to know each other too, so. No, it's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Dante, you are a bard? Yes, he is. Separated from his lowborn family as a child. Uh, didn't get to really experience a normal childhood. Seems to have been taken by a man who said he's a lamp keeper. But, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand what that fully entails. But his ally, uh, Lorindel, helped him escape. So that so he kind of sees her as a foster mother now. So but, you were uh, raised up... in the cult of the Night Lantern, too? Or no? Well, he was going to be until... Because Lorindel is an ex-cultist posing as a bar wedge. So my, I played it as Lorindel kind of grabbed Dante and fled, saving him from the Night Lantern. I see. But, you know, growing up on the street still with your foster mother acting as a bar wench and both of you in hiding isn't an easy life. But uh, Dante kind of took to music and gab and started growing his skills as a bard. Until he, oh, and the, sorry, they uh, they ran away to the Ark City, but eventually the streets of Sarkin have kind of sang to Dante, and he's made his way back to Sarkin. All right. Like everyone says it differently so far. <laughs> I'm not going to correct anybody. It's Texas, y'all. Sarkhan, the city with a thousand names. I think it's <laughs> and Sarkhan. None the, and none of them are actually correct. <laughs> Julie, are you from Southern Illinois as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's why we say what, it you, the same. Sarkhan. Yeah, what, you want to go to Green, Texas? Yeah, how do you spell that, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Green, Texas? Yeah. G-R-U-E-N-E. Green, Texas. Pretty close to the German word for green. Green. Vienna. I, I always just go with Yeah. Vienna is a classic. Also, near where I'm from in Carlinville, Andy, there's one uh, that's called Fidelity, but it's just spelled Fidelity. <laughs> I've seen Fidelity. I didn't know if people called it Fidelity. Oh, yeah, dude. Everybody, it's if you live around there, it's Fidelity. Also, there's like 50 people in that town, and every single one of them is a. Uh, uh, a fantastic meth cook. Chef's kiss. Oh, nice. It's a local uh, delicacy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll drive like at least an hour to get down there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just itching the whole way. <laughs> All right. What was the name of this lamp keeper? Mm. I didn't come up with one. Because I figured child doesn't really want to get to know his captor. Sure. But I think it's more of like a he would have recognized him if he saw him thing. Mm-hmm. From the trauma. But I, I like to imagine this dude isn't completely... He didn't give up immediately. You know, he was around and you guys were evading him for quite a while. 
Okay, okay, let's see. Let's go with... I'm trying to find a good generator. You can have one of those things that's like just a description of what he thought of him. Like, you know, the, like the man with the yellow hat. Yeah, that could be it. Instead mm. of like a name name. I don't know what the lamp keeper outfit looks like, though. Well, they carry a lamp. <laughs> the man with the lamp, you just like call him that. Let's say. Well, that could be a lot of different uh, lamp keepers. Exactly. So let's just maybe his name was uh, Thorbur- Thorburn. Okay, down with that. Lampkeeper Thorburn or Thorvin, either one. <laughs> That's a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense in this climate too. All right. The ally that you chose was Lirindil, right? Yes. Next cultist posing as Barwench. Died from the Lamp Keeper. <sighs> and she took you in kind of as a foster child. Yeah. Essentially. The elusive man. The smoking man. The man in the yellow hat. Okay. And then what was the rival that you chose? Uh, Mirau? Which is the weirdest sound, cat sound I've ever had to make. What is it? Mirau. Is what you put on there. A guildy in the merchant police. I think, it's just, I think it's just Miro. Oh, maybe I added that W, yeah. I think there is a W, but the R-O-W is just row in this. That's how I pictured it. Miro. Gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, so uh, he's a merchant police. He's the merchant police who isn't above, take, isn't above taking bribes, but for some reason his dislike for Dante... Like allows it to, makes it to where he doesn't want to take Dante's coin, but it could just be because he hates Dante's silver tongue. Like what happened there to cause that hatred? My guess is that Dante's kind of a street urchin, so he probably goes around telling stories and potentially trying to uh, fabricate those stories. And so he's fabricated some some silly stories about Miro. He's made a few bucks off of it. He's kind of downplayed his authority a lot. And so the people have kind of gone into not listening to his authority as well. And so for that, he's like got a big disdain for Dante. All right.
Alright, cool. That's our party. Exciting. Hey, Charlie. Yes? Um, what did you have for the mechanical background That's, for my character? I was going to go back and ask you because I realized I forgot. I yeah, I want to use that mechanic. I think that's so cool, but... What were I was gonna ask? You could go with a couple things. I mean, it could even be sh like sheriff's daughter, um, but local healer is also one that you could kind of choose. I mean, you can phrase it however you want, you know, or sum it up to kind of get the exact details. But yeah, I just wonder which would be more beneficial to be able to come up with. I almost feel like like growing up as the sheriff's daughter would probably have more. Yeah. Grew, like, grew up in a jailhouse would be your background. Yes. Which is interesting. Cool. Alright, so now that we did that with everybody, again, thanks everyone for waiting um, and listening. Uh, we can jump into the game proper, but first, let's take like a five. Okay. okay. Alright, be right back. Okie dokie. second but before we do that we can talk about sarcan for a moment if everyone is back i think they are you know me yep. i love being present at things oh yeah so and you're good at it too when you're when you're somewhere you're really there man yeah you're right no one does it better than me <laughs> um <laughs> sarcan is this massive city you see laid out before you. I didn't fill out all of the little uh, like neighborhood names yet. We can kind of fill some of them out as we go. Same with the there's extra numbers if we add more map points. But Sarkan, what makes it interesting is it is a river city. It's also an oasis city, so it's in you know a nice little patch of green in the desert here uh, and where a little oasis river trickles out and, you know, tributes into the larger Lyran River that it sits on, which makes this weird little island complex type of thing here. Uh, it's also a city that's owned by the prince. Um, it's run by his viceroy, which is essentially just a fancy noble position for, you know, like someone to, to step in and rule for you when they're not actually a noble. They don't actually own this fiefler. He's just a stand-in for the prince when the prince can't rule it. Technically, which is why his home is called the Embassy District <clears throat> up here on the northern end. Um, the really interesting thing about the town, though, is the large tower in the center, the Tower Gate. They call it the Tower Gate because in this world, as you guys may know, there are lots of portals that can travel you along these ley lines. Um, and the Order of Sahir... <laughs> recently opened up one of these portals here. They discovered a new ley line, or rather started using a ley line that wasn't being used. If you go back to this map down here, 
these red thin lines are ley lines. The reason they weren't being used before is because they aren't, they don't sit on the face of the planet like the other ones do. These are like really high in the air, um, kind of running in the sky around the planet as well. So to access them, you have to get really high off the ground, right? Which is why the endless staircase is like a little portal nexus here. But in Sarkanway over here, they had this old tower, and that was what its original use was, and this like Order of Sorcerers, the Order of Sahir recently, I don't know, maybe in the last ten years, uh, like figured out how to reactivate the portals and basically act as like lords over these portals because they're super useful to people who are doing trade, you know, long-distance travel, diplomacy, etc., etc. Even just communication, sending messages. So they lord over that, tax it, make money on it with the permission of the Viceroy. That's kind of one of the major things going on in the city, I would say. And of course, it's at the very center of the city. And you have to climb all the way up to use the portal. Uh, let's see, what else is interesting? Uh, yeah, this is where we'll find you all. Over here in the like western, really technically northwestern part of the city. The Chained Towers is the home to all uh, gladiators that are members of the gladiator company you're in, which I believe is called the Salazar Slave Trade. Yeah, Salazar Slave Company. And yeah, so they own these weird structures, these ancient old towers with this huge, massive chain running between them. Almost as if, like, some behemoth, you know, had put them there in a previous age. Uh, and they are, you know, actual buildings, and you live and train in them. And the popular type of gladiation here is river gladiation. So they call this whole bay right here the River Coliseum. People pull boats up around. They have kind of, like, bleachers and lookouts on the shores here, as you can see. And, uh, yeah, you they do battle reenactments. They do shows, all kinds of stuff, um, but mostly with, you know, small boats and, like, kind of naval battle and things like that. Let's see, anything else worth mentioning? I mean, there's other cool stuff, but that's kind of what's important to our story. When we find you, we find you in the chained towers, as either prisoners or maybe voluntary gladiators, but you're essentially a prisoner once you enter that life. You are an indentured servant to the Salazar Company. And Lord Jericho, who is the man who owns you, technically, or your contract. I don't have an NPC picture for him yet, but I will. This isn't the same Jericho that we've already met, right? No, I think it's just a common name in this world. We're all imagining the wrestler, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Walls of Jericho? He's going to put you in it? I'm imagining the superhero. I'm thinking of the hit drama from NBC. 15. Oh, aren't we all? So, think for a moment about how each of you ended up in the indentured servitude under this basically slave contract that you have to either work off or die to get out of. Um, and how you ended up a gladiator in the tower. Before you answer, though, think about it for 
30 seconds. Save that breath. I'm going to grab my pizza rolls, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> Very important to get those pizza rolls. Those are pretty hungry for pizza rolls. I know I'm hungry for pizza Like, I've got pizza in my fridge, but pizza rolls? Baby, mm-hmm. let me get those little ovens in my mouth and burn them immediately on the first bite. <laughs> That's my problem with pizza rolls, man. Like, I have never... them like a sucker for a bagel bite. Yeah, but they're pizza. just... I always burn the shit out of my mouth. I imagine bagel bites are not nearly as dangerous as pizza bites because they don't have the pocket of heat inside. The lava? <laughs> the lava. Surprised. They can still get you. Oh, I'm sure they can still so, get they you. They still but, get like... me. They still get me. The problem with bagel bites is I was always served them with siblings, so if you were waiting till they got cool to eat them, you were fucking up. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. That was true for any food, yeah. and you were never waiting, so like, don't even act like it was a problem. Oh, oh my gosh, I, I forgot you I forgot you were in here. I forgot you were in here. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Something about that really tickled me. It's like usually when you tell those stories, it's because one of the involved parties is not there to... You know, uh, deliver a rebuttal. Oh, that's that's, so that's delightful. That is so funny. Yeah, there will be more of that. Don't worry. You get a real, you get a real biased like delivery of the story. Except now there's someone here to like to yeah uh, to keep you in check. It's like cool. I never got bagel bites. I love that story. Yeah, remind me again about how much you ate. Um, <laughs> I could go on and on. <laughs> Andy also like he's the old like he's the oldest and I'm the youngest so we're four years oh apart. My God. But doesn't it make you feel good about how big and strong I got? I mean, looking back, aren't you like, man? I'm glad he just gorged himself for our entire childhood. Yeah, especially since food was so available to us. <laughs> so hungry. <laughs> Mom would intentionally buy bad food so we would eat it slower. Yeah. Oh my God, we never got anything good. Yeah, you had to, if you liked it too much. Like, you liked that too much. Here, I got these little spicy fruit drinks that would burn your throat when you drink them. <laughs> Sorry, what? Spicy fruit drinks? Spicy fruit drinks? It's like the cheapest thing at IGA, like, on the floor. Oh, and it's, oh right, yeah. I'm like back. Feral drinks or quarter drinks. Mm. <laughs> that is actually a perfect... Yeah, they're juice, but they don't taste like anything. They just taste like... barrel fruit drink. Yeah. It, 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 it's spicy. They taste like an ichor. Or perhaps yeah. a potion. It's just it's corn so syrup. Fucking good. It tastes <laughs> like yeah. the color it is. <laughs> yeah, it was either that or like really horribly artificially sweetened water that was like fruit 2-0. Oh, yeah. Like that was just like really bad, tasted like uh, aspartame. And like fake oh. strawberry. I can't drink water unless it's got some kind of sugar in it. <laughs> it is nature's candy, mm-hmm. literally. I thought you meant Raisins. water for a minute. Water, mm, good old delicious. Water is nature's candy. All right. That's why everyone loves to drink it. Everybody ready to jump in? Yes. Yo! So, we find you in these massive stone towers they're very strange kind of almost brutalist architecture everything is just smooth dark stone with you know very squared hard lines not really much decoration carved into anything just kind of big plain stone panel that makes up this giant you know almost obsidian black tower and there are a few tiny little windows here and there but they're mainly like 
you know, crenellations, uh, like for an archer to shoot out of. So you just get little glimpses of the outside. It's pretty dark inside and dreary. Um, and you each probably have a, a, a cell um, to yourself in here. It's, you know, very small, and they give you, you know, maybe a few blankets and stuff, and they feed you. But you mostly just work and train and go back to your cell. They have a few other things. They have, like, religious services and books available sometimes. It's pretty much like being in prison, except you also are a boxer, you know, learn to fight all the time. I kind of see Cedric as, like, talking to a guard and being like, Excuse me, I think there's been some mistake. I was assured I'd be sold into slavery. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, old man. He just, like, hits the cage, you know, right in front of you. Oh, good gracious. Everybody fights. I think he just kind of looks at his arms back and forth, and he's like... Oh, Cedric, what have you gotten yourself into? So, how did Cedric end up here? Exactly. I think Cedric ended up here um, because he was uh, doing some research, uh, as he's been doing, like looking at these magical artifacts and found uh, something in the desert, and he knew, he asked... uh, ask her about it she's like do not go over there like that's private property that is you do not belong there Ooh. and he was like well in, in, in the pursuit of science I feel I'm not hurting anything I'm just looking and so he went anyway and when you're on that guy's land like you're his property like he you know he, right. that's somebody he does all the time is human trafficking and that's it was he the, was just like load him up it was the forest of Lord Jericho quote unquote forest yeah, exactly. He's just like, you know, you're on my land, you're mine, and, that's, and he does, you know, it's, he's he's in this business, so take him to the tower. Couple couple silver for a seventy year old man is better than nothing. All right. Interesting, interesting. Oh, another thing I should mention maybe about the city, because uh, this may play into how you ended up in here. I'd say the main things really going on in the city right now. Um, are basically kind of a, th- a war of thieves guilds. There is an incredibly powerful, powerful like thieves guild here. Everyone knows about it. Everyone knows they control a lot of the politics and a lot of the mercantilism. Uh, called the Sisterhood of Serpent, or just the Serpents. But then there's also the Black Candle Guild, which is a thieves guild that is pretty much everywhere in every city. They're always a problem. Each sect is kind of its own sect from city to city. But there have been bombings. Um, The Black Candle Guild likes bombs and black powder. There's been assassinations. Um, And on top of that, then there are the Scrutians as well. The Scrutians are the junk traders who think that there's a god king in the desert with a philosopher's stone. Those are the people who are like, you know, on this big pilgrimage out into the desert to try and find it. They call themselves that because the city, the fabled city is called Scruta which is their word for golden junk. Those are kind of the big conflicts going on in the city currently. So, the Thieves' Guild might be something, a reason to be wrapped up in. 
Is it possible that Cora could be there? Like, is this something that maybe Didymus had something to do with? Hmm. Um, hold on a sec. Where did the notes go? I gotta reread my blurb on Didymus one sec. He's just a detective that's seen too much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely an active figure in the city, and the merchant police are incredibly, incredibly corrupt, and, you know, uh, definitely look the other way, especially when it comes to the the sisterhood, so. I just wonder if, like, she, when she was, like, standing up to him or something like that, Mm. you know, like. Oh, yeah, that's a bit. He's just like, okay, like, I'm done. Like, it's happened too many times. Like, first, when she came to town, she saw it, and then, like, she kind of made a point to, like, keep an eye on him a little bit. And he, she got to be a nuisance to him, so he somehow made it so that she would be sent to the towers. Yeah, I mean, was it literally just like a hood over the head and like in a you know on a street at night, and then you woke up in a tower? Um, I think she was probably tricked. I think that he probably like I don't know. I I see him as like trying to cover his tracks um, in a way that maybe she was tricked into going somewhere to like help someone and it was actually she was taken there like why are we going this way you know I see very interesting anyone else I think Dante is here because as he would tell you he was just it was just one apple he only stole one apple that's it never mind all the the gold and, you know, spices and herbs that he had stashed behind his, his or under his coat. Hmm. It was just one apple. Well. And uh, I think Miro, or Miro found him. <laughs> okay. That might make more sense. I was going to say, keep in mind, this actually is not the prison of the town. This isn't, like, the punishment you get for being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. This is just legal slavery. Essentially, or legal indentures, indentured servitude. But you know, this, if your rivals involved, maybe they fix something up where kind of similar to Korra. Is there a way out of this life? Win, win, win enough battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And they do like different kind. Like sometimes they offer it, you know, just to give extra motivation, etc., for the bigger shows. The, win- the winners can win their freedom. Some people choose to stay in. There are some people who are here by choice or keep re-signing their contract on purpose because they like win and they like it. But that's a rare breed. I think I, even I'd imagine the, there are celebrities among them or whatever, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of a shitty life, but they know him. So I think even though Miro might have sent Dante here, he feels like there's probably some other involvement because it wouldn't make sense for one merchant police officer to be able to get Dante stuck here. But as far as he knows, it's that's the only culprit he has. I mean, these people pay good money for this too. I'm sure they're working with Thieves Guild, you know, probably Serpent members or Black Candle members, who knows which one they're affiliated with. And they buy trafficked people and kidnapped people, etc. And force them into contracts under duress or when they're knocked out and they wake up and they've already signed a contract, quote-unquote, with their thumbprint on it or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's kind of what I was playing into, is if you want to take this into, since I was caught stealing, the Thieves' Guild's not happy about that since it's not under their jurisdiction. 
Interesting. I like the idea of both of our characters having an issue with the merchant police. Like, that's how they got here. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of that, okay, is there anyone we haven't gone over as to why they're here? Uh, yeah, Zuzu's ready. I'll speak up here. Um, so, I'm thinking I, like, punched a priest in the face because I'm trying to track down that chest set. And I I felt like he knew or bought it and gave it to somebody else or something that it moved through his hands, even though it might not have. It probably didn't. Um, but I punched him in the face and basically uh, knew some people and got me got me absconded. <laughs> Got me interred in this place. Okay. Um, so, same thing. Was it like he had people just like thugs kind of knock you out, kidnap you kind of thing? A lot of people, I think, also, you know, sign these contracts under like duress and in that like they threaten your family or, you know, they don't give, they give you, you know, no other options kind of thing. Or maybe you run out of options so you come to them too. So keep in mind those are all options as well. But so in this case, were you like kidnapped, knocked out, tricked, uh, you know, blackmailed? Um, I think it was more. Yeah, I think it was be blackmail. Um, like I I did this in the middle of the daylight in in front of a bunch of people, just punched this priest in the face. You no, know, like. Probably broke his jaw or something, you know, did something, and, uh... Okay, yeah, let's say that actually maybe he showed up with Captain Miro later that day. There you go. And, and yeah, I feel like I was... It was either, like, pay a bunch of money that I didn't have, or be on the bad side of this temple, whether it's for the cat god or whatever, um... Maybe even this priest is like a serpent member that I don't know about. You know what I mean? Like, your connections. It's a shady priest. Um, whatever. But just kind of like jumped into a pot of boiling water looking for this stupid chess set. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, the priest was probably. Uh, let's see here. There's my little Sarkan note. Got too many notes open right now. Can I ask a question of the other players? I know Andy's character is old. My character is like 59-ish. How old are your characters? I'm sorry if I missed that. Zuzu's like mid-30s, 35. Okay. Yeah, Dante's like late 20s. Probably about 28 if I had to put an actual number on it. Thank you. Sorry, in fact, what I missed? He's probably 40. He's just like sunburnt and whatever. White dude in the desert. <laughs> I was asking how old everybody's character is. <laughs> uh, Zeretti is like late 40s. He's got some years on him. Cool. Nice. Cora's like 59, 60. She's like a young grandma. <laughs> uh, the priest is probably Cyrano, the dead keeper. There you go. Perfect. Punch Cyrano right in his face. 
very connected with the merchant police. Okay, great. Yeah, so he was basically... They probably showed up and they were like, you sign this contract, we're going to take 10% of the commission on your contract for selling you into indentured servitude, or you can go to fucking prison right now. Exactly. we'll cut your hands off. Exactly. Zaretti. Yeah, Zaretti, our last one. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, chances are I got pulled in here because of a very similar situation to what just happened there. I was given a choice by the police, and I chose this because uh, I think Asgir really fucked me over. She finally got the one up on me. I don't think I she took would. A job that I, th- I don't think she would call the police, though. No, 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 no. She set me up with a. I I took a job that sounded real, real good. Uh, but it was something she set up that would absolutely land me in a spot of trouble just because uh, I'd be in the wrong place at the wrong time. What was the job? That's a good question. I don't know what the job was. Yeah, you don't have to know it's... right now. You can think on it. I think it would be something like transporting illicit goods. I The, the job would be uh, bodyguard for a trader moving their merchandise. <laughs> I then uh but it would be uh i don't know what's what's a good illegal substance in this world well so pretty much all the drugs are legal here uh except for the ones that involve necromancy so ghoul powder because that involves Ooh. harvesting flowers from you know black Ooh. oleander trees and from ghouls uh and the other one uh is called aether smoke or as they sometimes call it stone lotus and that's made from nazarite that's illegal for other... Re- I mean, because they want to control Nazarite. Yeah. I'm feeling like this is some ghoul powder not uh, ghoul powder stuff. Okay. By the way, uh, Andy and Julie don't know this because you guys haven't played in this world before, but Nazarite is like a magic, you know, kind of crystal or material. It's what powers the portals. They need, like, huge heaps of it to keep the portals running. So, very valuable. But it also... Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna ask you, is it also a narcotic? It it there is a way to synthesize a narcotic from it that's pretty that is rare but more popular around here in the desert and stuff. Yeah. It's called Aether Smoke. Or sometimes called Stone Lotus. It's like crystals that you smoke. Like crack. Mm-hmm. So those are only like the, the kind of only two drugs that are really illegal. The rest are pretty much all legal you know for entertainment sake uh and sale and tax etc yeah so i i took a job from someone that was saying they're that they're transporting some medicinal goods and it turns out the quote-unquote medicinal goods was highly illegal within this area guards were tipped off one way or another and i wound up taking the heat so I decided to, uh, I'd, I, I mean, I would much rather take my chances in the Coliseum rather than in, uh, than in fucking jail. All right. And also, I don't know it's his gear, but I know it's, I know it's her. Absolutely. Nothing, cool. nothing connecting it to her, but I know. So... Uh, we find all of you in the in the towers on a bleak day um, of training after you've probably been here a couple days each. <clears throat> you've seen each other around, no doubt, at this point. And, uh, you know, one day after, you know, pretty rigorous morning training of just, like, probably rowing boats in place, just practicing rowing and, you know, as a team, etc. 
Uh, you're absolutely exhausted, but they take you into like a big kind of dining hall on one of the lower floors. It's just bleak, low ceiling. It's just essentially like slab concrete room, you know, that's big uh, and and long, like a cafeteria, but with a very low ceiling and only basically torchlight. Uh, to light the room. It's pretty dreary, but they have some kind of, you know, some delicious-looking slops that they uh, feed you on dented metal trays. And uh, they do let you kind of sit amongst yourselves and talk at this point. This is kind of the only real interaction point you guys get. But you're also with, you know, three or four other prisoners who are training to be gladiators as well. Most of them look fairly unfriendly. I think the one that stands out the most is uh, a knoll. One of them is like this hideous hyena man. Gnolls are very, very looked down upon or not civilized, generally speaking, except for like in one or two places uh, near um, Elmard up north. So we find you at the lunch tables. You're finally able to speak to each other for the first time. What do you do? And the upcoming event is like a kind of a canoe battle. Uh, no, I mean it's they build little like versions of sailing ships, <clears throat> and you sail on like eight man teams. You have cannons, all kinds of stuff. It's like a full on naval battle with with smaller scale oh. boats. Uh, by the yeah. way, this is based on a real thing. They used to flood the Colosseum up to like six feet deep and have fucking naval battles in it, which is insane. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, do we know? Do do we know that we are going to paired up, be paired up with each other for this? You're, what's coming next? You do not know. You know that you're going to be teamed up, but you do not know with who. So you know some of these people are going to be people you might have to kill uh, in like a week's time. The one thing you probably know about the upcoming battle is it's a reenactment of a famous historical battle against a necromancer and his brigade called the Bone Legion, like thousands of years ago. Those are the bad guys. Those are the ones who are supposed to die. So you you don't want to be the Bone Legion. All right. If any of y'all can cast magic at this table, why don't you go ahead and raise y'all hands? One of so that seems like a peculiar question. Well, I'm just saying, if you can cast magic, chances are you're going to be on the wrong side of battle and you're going to die. And I just want to make sure I don't make any connections with uh, soon-to-be-expired folk. Cedric does not raise his hand. <laughs> yes, he's, Dante hasn't either. He's just... A kind of husky-looking woman with like a kind of spiky haircut at the end of the table like leans over and she's like, What if I can cast spells? What does that mean to you? Uh, it just means that you're going to be on a sunk ship in a, week's t- in, a, in a week's time. She's like, no, no, that's not true. General Sisyphus, he had sorcerers too. Both sides yeah. going to have wizards. All right, whatever you say. It still means that you're going to be thrown off the boat, though. I'm sorry, did you say there was a week of this remaining? Oh. I don't think think lack of practice is what's stopping my rowing ability, to be quite frank. Yeah, I think you're shit out of luck, old man. You didn't, you, you didn't, you didn't do arm day, did you? Hey, come on, leave him alone. You never know, he might be able to do something. Uh, Yeah, how much can you bench press, old man? 
I don't have access to that sort of uh, specialized equipment, but uh, I certainly can carry a large stack of books uh, to and from my house. I have been lifting oh, wow. soup cans in my house as well, so I do I do a little. Okay, so you're a bookworm. Hey, look, there's got to be a lot of wisdom behind those eyes. I mean, look at him. He's like a hundred. But I'm, I mean, I'm thinking senility, but uh, I mean, you do you. Oh, yes, very good, yes, very good. Senility, yes. The knoll leans over and just, like, chomps whatever food is on uh, <laughs> Cedric's plate. Like, the tray just slap, you know, sla- slatters off onto the floor and food kind of flies everywhere. And he just, like, <laughs> like, bites ravenously and looks at you with crazy eyes. Did you tell us the knoll's name? Uh, he doesn't have a name that you know of. They just call him the knoll. Hey! Knoll, cut that shit out. We all need to eat if we're gonna get through this. He just gives you that Shit. that dumb hyena look with like the tongue sticking out the side of his mouth. Cora uh, would like take her plate and like pass it. You know what I mean? Like slide her tray down to Cedric and just be like, um, "I'm not gonna eat mine. You can you can go ahead and have it. You know, we fed the prisoners good where I'm from. We didn't gotta keep them healthy and strong so they can make good choices." Thank you, young lady. It's so thoughtful of you. Let's split it. <laughs> Wait, isn't she like ten years younger than you? Uh, she loves it. No, she loves it, for no, sure. That, that was great. Please continue. Yeah, she loves that you called her young lady. And she's just like, um, you know, well, sometimes the only thing that comes between a, a man making a good decision and a bad decision is just having a good meal. And uh, they're not... They're not doing right by anybody in here by feeding you this. Wise words, yes, wise words. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Cedric, by the way. Oh, uh, I'm Cora Dean Finstock. You can call me Cora Dean. And I'm Kesna. And don't you two be getting too friendly, because some of us might be killing each other by the end of the week. The big lady oh, at I- the end of the table chimes in. I won't be killing anyone. I mean, I'll do my best, but uh, let's be honest. Uh, I can be friends with everyone at this point. Uh, don't worry. I think Cedric would, Cedric would kind of look to the person next to him. Uh, maybe even Zaretti, even though... Uh, uh, and you, sir, uh, I didn't catch your name. Was that directed at Zeredi or the Zeredi. person next to you? Yeah, okay. Is the person next to him, I suppose. Oh, okay then. <clears throat> Zeredi Marco. Uh, I'm like not making eye contact. Like I've got a plate of food in front of me. I'm just picking at that. I'm sorry. Were you expecting anything else? That's my name. That's it. Era, as much as you want to share, a pleasure to meet you, Central yeah. Habitar. This one's a yeah, film, right. isn't he? I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, sorry, uh, Mr. Cedric. I said this one's a friendly one, isn't he? This is a ready fellow. I'm as friendly as I need to be, and maybe you should learn a little bit from my example. Kesna's like, yeah, because he's smart, and then she just like slams some more food into her face. Ah, uh, shut up, Kesna! 
<laughs> Wait, you're just lucky you... you've survived this long. <laughs> Sorry, did you just like slam it into her face, not even to her mouth? <laughs> she just recklessly jams cornbread into her mouth area and keeps chewing. That's when I found out I had an eating problem. <laughs> All right, that's Kesna. She's kind of a, with her? a name around I'm not, here. I'm not with her. No, I, I didn't think you were. Kesna's. God, she's been here longer than I have. Um, Dante, by the way. Um, pleasure to make all y'all's acquaintances, I suppose, even though it might be short lived. may work out, right? And if someone has to win, maybe I'll get put on a team full of talent. Team doesn't matter. You're with the bone if you're with the bone squad, you're fucking dead. Just hope that you're on the right side of this uh this mocky battle bullshit. Oh thank you, so do I. Uh and I didn't catch your name. I did catch that you don't like magic. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I already said my name once. If you missed it, that's your issue. Remember, his name was Zaretti. You might be right. He might be senile. Oh, I was thinking. Uh, sorry, there's disease got me. Yeah, it's a fucking. You know what? <laughs> I, you know what? I I can make this easier. I can just na- change the name to oh. Reddy if need be. <laughs> He looks like a red. Look, we'll, we'll give you a nickname eventually. Uh, okay, how about this? Uh, names, uh, names are ready, ready to my friends, and none of you are my friends. Hmm. Well, then that doesn't really change the problem. Yeah, it doesn't really help, does it, huh? Uh. <laughs> uh, hey, Blondie, down there, you're kind of quiet. What's your name? Mm, Zuzu. Well, goddamn, that's gonna be annoying, isn't it? <laughs> you can call me Vaughn. I mean, I, I'm honestly not gonna remember half these names because some of you are gonna die. Hell, I might even die. I'm not gonna remember any of your names. So, have we, have we y'all done this before? Familiar with the practice, never actually done it myself. Are we allowed to? be on a team like Cedric said I mean he's got you said you carry soup well it's a way of exercising when you don't have other weights a jar of soup in each hand and lift it it uh, it keeps you in calisthenics keeps you in shape but yes I could I could hold my own I think to some degree I think I think the way to get around this game is to Outsmart them. They expect us to all kill each other. Well, that's ridiculous. Doesn't anyone ever get alive? Is there ever a situation where both teams are released on merit? (laughs) 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 Uh, You have an awfully optimistic outlook on your fella. Cedric, I'll give you one piece of advice. Stay out of my way. Understand me, old man? And I'll give you another piece of advice. Stay out of my way. 
And I'll give you another piece of advice. Whatever your name is, ready. Are both of you giving him the same advice? Kesna's like, listen to me. Y'all, all watch out for me. And she just picks up her tray and storms away. It starts slamming it into her face. I guess she's out. Okay, well, I'm going to stay out of her way because I think she's going to sink her own boat. To be clear, that was two stay out of my ways and uh, yeah. I leave me alone, correct? Yeah. Have you eaten that food that that nice lady gave to you yet, old man? Oh, yes, well, I almost forgot it. Uh, you got a hyena man sitting right next to you. He's just like licking just his tray. Let's stop all that yapping and get to eating, old man. Yeah, and he kind of looks at the hyena. Yeah, we <laughs> the, the Noel just looks at you with like the you know the tray in his teeth like a frisbee. Oh, good gracious! I think he wants you to throw it. Uh, yeah, Grandpa, throw it. <clears throat> he like spits it out and then he just starts like rattling off something in a weird kind of growly language you don't understand. He's just like, wow, I gotta do it, I gotta. And he just stands up and leaves. He's out. <laughs> don't don't worry about him. So it's kind of hard to work as a team with someone you can't understand. As they leave, I think you all notice that the guards kind of open the big iron slatted door at the far end of this, you know, concrete box of a room that you're in. And a guard comes in with two like new kind of prisoners you haven't seen around the complex yet. And they both look super young. One is like maybe 16 and the other is like maybe 13. They're definitely, you know, brothers. You can just tell by looking at them. Um, and, you know, the youngest one's like basically just a little kid. And the guards kind of drag him in and he laughs and he's like, new meat! This like scarred faced guard with, you know, kind of a really stubbly kind of fat chin. Um, and he just drags these kids in and kind of tosses them on the ground and he slides the iron bar shut behind him and he goes, go get some grub. And, uh, the younger kid just starts kind of like quietly sobbing in a pile on the floor while the older kid is like kind of whispering to him, trying to coax him up to, you know, go like towards the, the food line. And the guard is like, get off the floor before I do it for you. Like screaming at him. Can one of these boys be the one of the boys that uh, Cora saw, like Didymus, be like mean to? Mm, I'm gonna say no in this case, just because there's things you already don't know about them. The boys about these boys in particular, yes, that I think would exclude them from being those particular people. Maybe I don't know. I'm gonna say no. Okay. You don't recognize them. Okay. Um. Well, she's obviously like wants to like go. Like, she's just, like, says to him, like, well, they're babies. They're babies in here. We gotta, we gotta do something. I mean, what's, what can you do? Everybody ends up in here. People as young as these two, or people all the way up to Cedric's age. Hell, they'd probably throw a corpse in here if they could. I think they have. I look over to the corner. There's a corpse there. <laughs> They're look at we me. all look at Cedric. Like, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, how long have we been here? Uh, you've all been here probably two, three days at this point. Okay. Zuzu's going to stand up and go grab boys kind of roughly and just drag them over into the slop line. 
Yeah, they give you slop through a little slat in the concrete wall. Yeah, and then I'm gonna just kind of sit him down where the the Noel and the what's her name Kesna was. Yeah, there's open Go back seats. The young That's where I would get up and walk over and like try to, the younger boy who's like crying go over and just try to like console him, maybe clean the area from where the cornbread went everywhere. Yeah, just, like try to make him feel like just like motherly toward him. He's not even really interested in the food. He's just kind of sobbing in his hands. You know, the older brother is just kind of like, thank you. Like, I, I appreciate the effort, but it's not. Well, we'll be fine. We've seen worse. And he just like need- kind of keeps like stroking the, the younger brother's hair. He needs to eat. You got to make sure he eats. You got to eat in here. He just like nods and he's like, I know. And he like takes the cornbread and tries to hand it to his little brother. He's like, so just like, watch out for the no if you want to keep eating. It's, uh, Merrick, but you'll be fine, as you said. You'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and Zuzu's oh. just going to kind of pat the little kid on the back, like, way too hard for a little kid. It's kind of be like, eat something, kid. Yeah, he finally will start eating, and after everyone encouraged. He kind of, like, I think takes a moment to, like, look at everyone, you know, teary-eyed. And even though you're all kind of a gruff bunch, like, everyone's being, you know, encouraging. And maybe it's a little less scary than he thought. He starts eating after a bit. Yeah, Cora uh-huh. gives him, like, a, a warm smile. Like, kind, like, you know, very soft eyes. You know, like, whatever he looks. Encouraging. Like, kind of nods a little bit. Like, go on. Yeah, giving him the motherly attitude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know they kind of start eating. They they assimilate with you a bit and and chill for kind of the rest of the lunch period. And as things end, uh, like the head guard comes in, this guy named Vata. You actually have learned that Vata is the son of Lord Jericho, the guy who owns and runs this place. Lord Jericho makes rare appearances, but it's always everyone's doing what he wants in preparation for the next event, right? And that's what you keep hearing. So Vata comes in, this kind of handsome-looking young, you know. Uh, slave driver guard and he starts kind of giving you guys the lowdown on what you're going to do the next day um and he's like tomorrow morning he's like we don't just row he's like we do a scrimmage no weapons you can pretend like you have weapons and no crocodiles yet are we the ones with the crocodiles the crocodiles are in the water if you fall in it's your problem and he's like, but we're going to pick teams. Everyone line up. And he makes, like, all of the prisoners in the, you know, cafeteria area line up. And he starts going down this line of 20 or so people and telling them which of the, the three armies they're on. Uh, whether it's General Sisyphus' army. Let's give a name to the second army. I don't have one. Let me roll real quick. Ooh. The Kaidi Legion. And then he comes down and he names all of you standing at the end of the line. Of course, the last few of you. You're all Bone Legion. Motherfucker. And he kind of chuckles as he walks away. Look, it's, it's us. Huzzah. It's fucking bullshit. 
Francis, the spirits up. Look, it could be much worse. Look, I think we've got a strong team. We did the power of positive thinking. Come on, we. I, I couldn't be happier with the choices. I look at the other at the other teams. How do they look? Uh, mostly like barbarians, raiders, thieves, cutthroats. Uh, some of them like maybe some saddled drunks and stuff as well. And did the kids get put on our team? They, uh, did. Alright, so we got a grandpa, a grandma, two children, and, I don't know, prissy pants over there. I look over at Zuzu. Actually, you see him alright. That's like two out of ten. I'm not liking our chances. Well, I am a grandma. Uh, that is for sure. But I'm very strong. And I, I have, there's a lot of things, I survived this long. And there's a lot of things that I can do. So uh, maybe just don't count your chickens before they hatch on this grandma. Okay. All right. So three out of ten. Wow. Wow. My eyes have been opened. Zuzu, I'm not sure if you heard, but he said your pants are sissy. You sure he was talking oh, about sure. you, Dante? What? No. They're not prissy pants. that they're silken. Not They're fine bridges. Thank you, Cedric. I bury my head in my hands. Well, I, I think the obvious Hand. thing to do here is kill the children. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. Wait, wait, hold <laughs> yeah. up. Again? Hold up. He doesn't Gonna say back that. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> and we found out Cora was the bad guy all along. So the children are just gonna hold us back to so kill them. The evil goes off Look. and Cora just lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. Not all the right, first here. time that suggestion's been made in this game. Alright, here's the plan. We stuff the children into the cannons and then we fire the children onto the other ship. Yes, how can the children do damage as they die? <laughs> Hey. Uh, all right, all right. So, uh, moving on. Um, sorry to cut you off, Davis. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, they kind of tell you, I think, like, you know, tomorrow morning you're going to have breakfast. You'll have, like, a 30-minute planning session with each other. And you'll go over the equipment, you know, with the quartermaster. And then we'll do the scrimmage. But for now, no more talking. Like, back to your cells. If you had one more thing you, you wanted to say... Uh, um, Vaughn, you can say it real quick because I know I cut you off. Oh, no, huh? Yeah. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah, so they're like, back to your cells, you know, and kind of lead you out into the, the dark, dreary stone hallways of this complex. At this time, though, I think it would be a good time to talk about goals and beliefs, especially with the children and Korra. First, let's talk about beliefs because I think there's a pretty obvious one for Korra here. I hope it's not about killing the children. No, <laughs> not that. <laughs> I was joking. But you you can choose exactly what it might be, but she obviously has strong beliefs when it comes to the current situation and the children. Um, yes. They're, she sees them as, like, innocent. Like, there's no way they can be held accountable for their actions. Yeah, totally. And um, that is, is could be your belief right there. We usually write them from the first person, so 
if that's what she believes, that's a belief you can put it to paper. I usually limit it to two at a time. It's just kind of hard to juggle more than one or two. For me, personally, as the GM, one is usually better. I usually make you keep one and evolve it as you go or change it. And you can change it anytime you want. Um, and it's not the only belief your character holds. It's just like a, a strong belief they hold about the current situation. And the idea about this is it helps us like get these dramatic roleplay moments, but you also get XP if you play on your belief. And playing on your belief means you either lean into it really hard to up the drama or change the story in an interesting way, or you play against it as your character changes, which is really hard, but very interesting story-wise if you can make it happen. But so I often will throw out like little kind of hooks. So when those kids came in and those guards were giving them a rough time, you did act on your belief, but probably not enough what we would normally classify for getting experience. Usually you have to do something kind of crazy or like... Like I said, make your own life harder, uh, usually, or, you know, complicate your goal with your belief or something like that. It needs to just be, like, a big dramatic. But that's okay. Beliefs, like, are big lead-ups. So now we have this, like, seed of your belief, and it's going to culminate in a big scene at some point, I have a feeling, you know, is the hope. Yeah, I don't think, I think it's two days in. She's probably not comfortable, like, not sure what's going on, still feeling it out. But I think, yeah, so, like just protect the children would be the belief or like sure or like uh i believe children are pure and have no place in this awful you know or have you know have no business being in this awful place that could be a pretty solid belief got it or like no matter their crimes children don't deserve this fate you know you can word them how you like um, but everybody, this is a good time for everyone to consider a belief for their character. And again, you can change it whenever something more prevalent pops up. But they have to have a feeling about their current situation. And also, this new news that you're on a team, and not only that, a team that everyone wants to lose and they purposefully are stacking the odds against. You can also write, I would just write one goal for now. Something you think your character could finish maybe by the end of this session, and we don't have a lot of time, or more than likely by the end of next session. That's got a nice little instruction, step-by-step for writing goals up there, if you've never written our goals before. And the way we usually do this is... Yeah, people are putting it in chat there. People usually put it in their little belief slot and drop it in chat. Zuzu, can you choose one belief? You can have all three, but only show me one. Oh yeah. Sorry. And if you have goals, you can mark those, you know, separate. I would I want the belief that's, you know, pertaining to the current situation, most of all. What is the third one there? I don't know. And again, I, we really only give XP for like the one active belief you have. Goals are a little more unlimited. You can have quite a few. I don't see where to drag them in right now. I'm just going to write mine in the chat. Sure. The way people are, they're just adding like a little extra note slot at the bottom and putting them in. And then uh, ah. next to the note slots, you don't drag, but there's a little dice icon. If you click that, it drops it in chat. Is it notes is at the bottom one? Yeah. <clears throat> you add the plus sign to add new note fields, and then you can hit the little dice under each note to drop it in chat. That's where you can like put your character abilities and new magic items you get, etc. Each can have its own little square. Oh, so if I put like a plus sign and then type in that, it will show up in the chat? 
So if you, at, at the bottom of your sheet, it's all right. You see the notes section at the bottom of your sheet. You press the, yes. the plus there and I'm doing it to Andy's sheet right now. You type something in there. You can press the plus sign again. It makes a second one. You can type something in there. Right. And then any of them at any time, if you press that little D20 icon below it, it just drops the contents of that particular note into the chat. So you, I, okay. So if you add a note to your sheet at the bottom. And there should be a little tiny D20, gray D20 button right underneath sure. it. I got you. And clicking that will drop the, yeah, the contents of, you know, I'll do it to your sheet, too. I'm going to try to do it uh, to I my see. belief and see. Test. If I know. Yes, okay, cool. Test. There you go. Get out of here. Sorry. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, it. it's nice you can have each kind of, uh, like, ability that your character has in its own separate little thing. So you can quickly drop the text if we ever need to reference it. Or like your spells, you can put each spell in a separate one. Right. That way we have a a quick reference. Reload my roll twenty. Dang it! All right, <clears throat> let's see what we got. We'll start going through these. Zaretti, your belief is sorcery should never be resorted to, and practical solutions can achieve the same effect. Um, I like that. Just your good general anti-sorcery attitude. Um, your goal is I will make sure as many people as possible on our side survive the coming battle. That's good. It's either that. I might change it to make our side uh, come out on top because that's kind of serves the same purpose. Anyway, continue. I think it's good. What I would say is add a second belief that's more immediate. Maybe something about the scrimmage or your plans for tomorrow. Second belief or second goal? So, uh, sorry, second goal, rather. Sure thing. Yeah, yeah, because this is not good for tomorrow. You're totally right. That's more of like a three or maybe maybe our second session, or you might get that next session, actually. I don't know. We'll That's go. for when the real thing happens, really. Yeah, yeah you're right. It, you don't have to write a more immediate one, but if you wanted to net some XP quickly, you could write a smaller goal. It makes more sense to plan for tomorrow. It, please continue, though. <laughs> um, let's see. Dante, believe my survival comes before anything else. That's a good one. Uh, I will survive the arena boat battle. I like that because this... Everyone is. Some people are getting into the team mindset, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you have to. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Let's see, Zuzu, belief taking another's life is commonplace and can't and can even be justified, but stealing another's life to make it subservient to your own can never be. That's a good one. Very good. Uh, goals: I will escape my servitude and return to hunting my fortune in the desert. And if not, I'll die trying. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, I think that works. Cordine. Children should not face the same consequences as adults, no matter the misdeed. That's good. Cedric, your belief is, I believe, friendliness, a good nature attitude, and the power of positive thinking can overcome any obstacle. 
Oh, I like this. This God, is that's really good. It's a good starting belief because this gives this allows me to break your character. <laughs> <laughs> but but truly though, the like the beauty of the belief system is when you can evolve beliefs over time and you can really see how characters like change and have personality arcs and stuff. Like this seems like one that is not gonna last. So I really like it. <laughs> Or maybe it will. Maybe it'll keep evolving even more positively. Who fucking knows? Could one of my goals be to try and help him keep that belief? <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. I, I thought about hedging my bets and saying, I bet I will die in the arena. That way I guarantee you get the XP. <laughs> there you go, yeah. All right, let's see. Zaretti, I'll ensure the Bone Legion usurps the competition by any means. That's good. I'll make sure. That's more immediate. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Let's see, Cordine. I'll use my abilities to protect the weakest of the group. That's good. Did everybody get a belief in there, Cedric, or a goal in there, Cedric? You need a goal still. It was before his belief. So yeah, I, ah, I will share my quality to the group given the opportunity. That's good. So I, I figure yeah. I'm doing anything at this point is going to. I think low expectations is kind of where the bar is. <laughs> yeah, see, we actually set you up to really impress us if you do anything, and that, ooh, that's really, really good. Yeah. That's good goal right in there. You just gotta leverage, you know, the story into easy XP for yourself. Sometimes. When those big, fat goals pay off, though, they're always great. <clears throat> Alright, cool. Good goal writing. Uh, we'll skip right to the next morning. We have about half an hour left. Um, <clears throat> so the next morning you get up and they bring you through breakfast, but this time all the prisoners are like brought through at once. It's much more busy. You don't get nearly as much of a chance to sit next to each other, uh, or talk to each other. Maybe one or two. You know what? Let's, uh, let's do a roll. Nobody's rolled any fucking dice yet. Uh, let's le you try and leverage for seats near your teammates so you can talk about, you know, the upcoming strategy and battle. Um, I'm going to say your choice. You can either roll wisdom for like perception, for spotting a really seat, a good seat quickly, or maybe dexterity for out, you know, outspeeding someone to a last open seat, and we'll get one from everybody. And the way this works is you just hit the little d20 icon right next to the the number, and it rolls. Dag. Ooh. Now it's been a while. Black hack is over than, not equal to or over than. Mm -hmm. Or under than, rather. Yep, that so is three failures. Over, under. Nice, Cora. So, unlike 5e, you want to roll low. A 1 is a crit, and a 20 is a crit fail. That's only for skill checks or ability checks, though. Every, like, in combat, it's still, you want to roll high. Okay, cool. But you both rolled well and succeeded. So Cora and Cedric, you get to sit next to each other at lunch, but everyone else has to sit like alone amongst the rabble. And she immediately just like puts a little bit of her like what she has on her plate gives a little bit extra to Cedric right away, just kind of without even asking. Like totally like your mom is trying to get rid of the last of the mashed potatoes before she washes the pot. <laughs> just puts it on his plate. Oh, oh thank you, but. Uh... I think we should both keep our strength up. I, I worry about... Uh, I don't worry about my contributions to the team. I'm sure you can take care of yourself, but... I don't want to drag everyone down. I see something special in you, Cedric. I, you need to just 
keep your strength up and just do what you know how to do. Well, I do have a trick or two up my sleeve. Don't tell the others, especially that Soretti he has no use for magic, but I do know a thing or two where I wouldn't consider myself an, an adept, or really even an apprentice, but uh, when push comes to shove, I think I can at least contribute to my part. What if you could just find a way to do it, and when you're staying out of their way, I think that they would really like that. Oh, don't worry about that. Yes, yes, you're <laughs> well put, well put. Cut over to Vaughn, who is sat next to Noel, because he rolled an 18. <laughs> Noel turns and looks at you, and he's like, What? And he just waits for a reply. I'm sticking my arm down your throat. He kind of like glances at your plate and back at you, and then he just goes, and he like turns to the person on the other side, and he just like grabs their plate and starts slamming it into his mouth. Just gonna kind of eat quickly and like my arm and shoulder kind of like tucked around my plate. Noel eats like one or two more plates, and people around him start being like, "Hey, what the fuck!" And like a fight starts erupting, and he's just like, Rah! and just starts like biting people on the chest, and they all just like start, you know, spilling out onto your table. I'm gonna just like shove the dude in the face who's closest to me, like off the other side of the table, and just like keep eating in the midst of this hectic shit going on around me. <laughs> Cora and Cedric, anything else you say to each other before we cut to uh, you meeting your group for the scrimmage? I think Cora would, I mean, not say necessarily to Cedric, but just kind of look and see if she can spot the boys. Uh, yeah, they're probably sitting alone. Um, not too far from Noel and everything, but they're not, they're not so close that they're like wrapped up in the fight. But they're looking a little worried uh, as they watch it happen nearby. She's just going to kind of try to keep an eye on them. Yeah, they've, they've been able to stick together, at least, it seems. And I is there so. anything that growing up in a jail set, like, having this as my background, like, would there be anything that I could know or do that would help us, being that, like, she's familiar with, like, she does her way around a cell, at least? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's ton, there's multiple things you could do. You could try and, like, memorize guards' schedules or, like, lift a key from somewhere or someone. I mean, you, you tell me what you want to do. Well, I'm just not sure what would... At this point, I guess I maybe should just wait and see what we are <clears throat> going to be doing to see what would help. Sure. I mean, there is a fight going on. I feel like the guards run over and start getting in on it. It would be a decent time to either do something you want to do unseen or lift a key if you want to try something crazy like that. Um, I sh can she look around and see if she sees any, like, type of, like, plans that might be somewhere? <clears throat> like a clipboard, you know, with, like, some information on it that she might be able to get to give them, like, a leg up? Uh, yeah, why don't you make a, a wisdom check for perception, and you can roll it at advantage for your background if you want to burn your one background use the session. Does that mean, like, in 30 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure session meant the same thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, so do I just hit the D20 twice then? Uh, I think if you hit it, it prompts you. I don't know. Okay. It, it, might, it might ask you. Oh, it's disadvantage. Yeah, totally. Okay, I'm going to do it. 
And then, so by the way, if you guys haven't <laughs> used... Nice, crit. If you guys haven't used the D20 roller, or, in, or the Roll20 roller before, if you hover over your roll, it will show you the math that it did and what you actually rolled. So you rolled a 1 and a 9, but it kept the 1, and it turned it green because it was a crit. Amazing. She did it. Absolutely, yeah. So she spots, uh, I think... Um, one of the guards is like an administrative guard that stands in like a little booth that like you know is caged in in the wall essentially and they just kind of watch everything but they have like some paperwork and other things in there and he's opened the door and like ran over to help the other guards fight off this you know ravaging knoll uh and the door's wide open and they don't normally do that they're supposed to close like always close that door to this like little office that branches off here you could totally just reach in and grab a stack of papers or, like, the, the map off the wall. And also, I feel like this is such a big, intricate, ancient complex that, like, they all have to use maps to, like, you know, navigate their day-to-day, like, to get to the other tower. Or if they need to go to a section they don't normally work in. So there probably is some sort of floor plan there. Awesome. Yeah, she would. I think she would try to act like maybe she, like, had <laughs> the vapors. You know, like, this fight was just, like, too much for her little old me. And um, just try to see if like, she needs to get, like, get some air to like step away and reach in and just grab as much as she can, like that looks like maps or like plans or where something might be, like that, like bombs, you know. Sure. Let's do one more roll to see how much you actually get. Was oh, uh, that one not good enough? Uh, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I, I, no, it is, but I, I wasn't going to give you the option to get anything else than other than the map, but with the one, I'll let you maybe possibly get Yay, it. no, I was just teasing. Okay, snag, so snag wisdom more. again? I would say, I don't know, I feel like this is more like either in, intelligence, like being able to quickly identify the things that are like actually of, of con, you know, content, or maybe dexterity just for like the sheer amount of just snatching a bunch of shit as fast as possible. You tell me, <laughs> how is she doing it? Is she being careful and methodical and like trying to spot useful content, or is she just trying to cram a bunch of papers down her britches and run out? Um, I'm going to say that she has, like, been, like, looking since she's been there. She's been trying to eye everything out. Since she's kind of familiar, matches, like, her background that she would, like, want to familiarize herself with this type of, you know, place. So I'm going to roll intelligence. Okay. And hope it's good. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, oh no! man. That's okay. You can't win them all. Um, yeah. Just because I was sassy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say you, you grab a few things and, like, everything you look at seems to just be, like, lunch order, lunch order, lunch order. Like, why are these all fucking, why are these lunch orders all stacked here? Like, in a file. Uh, and then you do just grab the floor plan. I think that's the only thing you're able to get. But you roll it up in a tight scroll, you know, and maybe, I don't know, stash it down your pant leg. Sure. Yeah, and you got you get the menu. It's all menus. And they're all say the same thing. Pork mash, potato mash, onion mash. <laughs> every day. Why did I have so many? Our pork mash is tomorrow. I get calendar for the meals that are just... Oh, onion mash, my favorite. I hope it has this every single day. Well, at least it's paper. She's got paper now. She needs to write one of you a note. By the way, the kids, I think you learned their names were Dita and Roscoe. If you ask. We didn't, but we were planning on it. We'll put it out there before I forget. Um, <clears throat> so you can remind me later when I ask. Um, awesome. So you snag the map. What do you, where do you go? What do you do after that? 
Uh, I think I'm going to go back to Cedric and like, he's my friend and he seems to have a good, like we match as far as, you know, like positive attitude and just kind of be like, you know, uh, also like she's exhilarated that she's just done this. Um, and she's just like, all right, I think I've got a way for both of us to, to get a leg up here. And she kind of like, you know, shows him. I guess she lifts up her dress and gives him a peek at her leg. <laughs> but it's like the map there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, oh, I'm, 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 I feel like this thing is as long as your leg, so it like goes down to your ankle, you know what I mean? Just as titillating. <laughs> An ankle, my god. Um, so, did anyone else notice this? Everyone that's not Cedric or Cora, roll a wisdom check. I should probably be at a disadvantage for this because I'm. You're in the middle of the midst of a fight. Yeah. Yeah. True. <clears throat> oh. Uh, Dante and Zeretti, you both, I think, glance at each like at her, like you see her like sneaking out of the the little guard booth, and then you like glance at each other. It's that you know that scene, and it's always sunny where like Charlie makes contact with Mac, eye contact across the restaurant. And he's like, he's, "Oh yeah, I he, like that." He's he's looking right at me, dude. <laughs> Vaughn's just got his head down as food is flying around him and shit. I mean, now with all these people fighting, are there spaces open that I can move to? Yeah, yeah, probably. You can absolutely, slide in. absolutely sliding over there. Yeah, Dante will go that way, and on his way there, grab the two boys <laughs> and kind of pull them over with him. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're able to for now. Yeah, of course. Oh well, look what the cat dragged in. Hmm. Looks like the cat ate the canary. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, so what quite you got there? The fight is getting rowdier and more guards are coming, so you know you're not going to have too long to talk before they pull you out of here and settle everything down. Alright, well, we missed our best window for formulating plans, so what are we going to be doing? Just curious what you got. Uh, it looks like a, some plans. Like a blueprint or map to the to the grounds. Can get a chance me, as big as my leg. Uh, may I see that? Can I? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to give it away that I have it. If it's like a big ass scroll, I'm unfurling. Yeah, I wouldn't show it to anyone right here. Maybe I don't we think wait this is until a good time. right. You're about to have like a planning rest. session with each other soon, so. Hmm. Well, we can actually kind of skip to that. Like, you all play... A, I think the guards pretty much just kick everyone out because the fight gets so bad. But you immediately get brought to, like, a little room with a quartermaster. He shows you the, you know, the spears, the bows, the rifles, and the cannons you'll have available and just how they work really quickly. And he's like, all right, now you have strategy. 30 minutes, I'll be back. Then you're on the boats. And he, like, leaves you in a, you know, again, just a dark, very plain, almost concrete-looking room with just a single, tall, skinny window for light. So she, uh, like, checks to see if the coast is clear and then pulls out the papers that say what lunch is. And she's like, no, this is the wrong thing. And, like, pulls out the map and, like, unfurls it. It's like, okay, like, there's got to be something here that can help us figure out what to do. 
Uh, yeah, um, I've, I mean, I'm a soldier with an extensive history of, like, actually leading, not, like, higher up or anything, but I have a basic, pretty basic understanding of tactics. Can I look at this and see if I can, like, divine anything useful from it? From the map itself? From, uh, okay, was it just a map that she has, then? Yeah, it's like a floor plan of, again, you're in these towers, right? They're, like, these almost ancient, like, obelisk-like structures. Um, and I think the insides are, uh, Andy, they're like, uh, is it Fainer? <laughs> SIU? <It's> like, <laughs> right. Or in hell. Yeah, like, the, there's this building at SIU, the campus where we live, that is based on a building at Harvard, which is, like, riot-proof. It's, like, this big, crazy, long building divided in, like, five different sections, and none of the sections have entryways to the other sections. You have to, like, go outside and come back in. But anyway, the tower, I don't think, is quite like that. You have to go outside and come back in. But I think it's very complex. It has lots of levels. And there's two towers. So one guard might only work on one level of one tower for most of their life, you know, and not really know their way around. So if they need to go to another place, they have to have this map, essentially, to understand this ancient, weird tower that they have. I'm going to put you back. Can we just use this to try to get out? Can we just, like, try to go? It does show you areas you weren't even aware existed. Now that is a wonderful idea. I have nothing to prove. I don't... The, the, the boat swing. Right. Well, we'd have to make that decision very quickly, because if they come back here, and we're still here, we're going out on those boats. But if we they come back here and we're not here, everything goes into lockdown very quickly. I'm in. We move, we keep quiet, we stay together. That's the spirit. But which way? I mean, this is just a map. Yeah, you guys, this isn't a real battle, so we can we can study this map for a few days and maybe think about escaping it some other time. Hmm. Fair. I mean, Fair. it's it's still a real battle. It's just a reenactment of a old battle. The got like the cannons he just showed you and the guns he just showed you are very real. Yeah, but this is just a scrimmage right now. No, what you're doing, yes. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, right now we're doing a scrimmage. So, while you're deciding to leave or not, uh, Roscoe, the younger boy, opens like a, a footlocker, really the only thing in the room besides the table. Uh, and in it are uh, like four, or rather, sorry, a cloak for everyone um, with kind of like a, a bone, or rather a tunic for everyone with like a, a skeleton print on it. And then also like a bony skull mask for everyone. wish we could like find a way to switch costumes with you know like trick people and then make them go out and we sneak out are we meant to wear this it's ridiculous one of them has also a crown that's the necromancer oh uh, zuzu's gonna grab one with the crown just fancies it. He thinks he's very fancy. Oh. So Someone thinks highly like of themselves. Yes, this is just kind of rehearsal. And then sometime next week we actually all die. Or, well, yes. Same well, I say we go way. out there and we all keep our eyes open for a way to sneak out when it's, you know, the real thing happens. We just need to spend the next week trying to get a plan together to get out of here. Exactly. Um, but so I just want to make sure what's on this map is just one floor. No, it's the entire tower. It's got like. Okay, so we can kind of tear this map up 
into floors, basically. Yeah, probably even more. It's like a big scroll. Like, it's huge. It covers the entire table when you unfurl it. Like, my idea is for kind of each of us to study a different couple of floors or a different floor, you know? And well, I mean, then on our escape, we'd be able to, like, be the one guiding on that floor. Sure. You don't need to know every floor, but, you know, you just need to know the, the useful parts about each floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anybody have anything to write with? Because I got all these menus. We could flip them over and just sketch so we don't have to tear it up in case, well, somebody gets lost or somebody gets in trouble and says something to the wrong person and is gone. And we don't have that part of the map anymore. I'm anybody got took... stuck somewhere nobody knows about? Yeah, I'm afraid they took my writing pen when they when they arrested me. There's no coal or ash or anything, like nothing. I could do like a, I guess I couldn't do a rubbing because it's not a. Well, I just, you, y'all haven't been very friendly. Like you're going to be on our team. So I'm hesitant to just hand over something that I had to work hard for. How about this? We weren't on our team before, but now we're stuck with each other. That means my survival depends on your survival. If I may well, make another suggestion, map and hmm? if you figure anything out, or if you need somebody to help get you out of here, then I'll be one of those. But until then, like Cedric, just stay out of the way during this battle. Well, that certainly allays my reservations. If I may make a recommendation for this coming scrimmage, if you've got something special up your sleeve, keep it concealed. We don't want them knowing what we can bring to the table if we do end up doing this thing for real. Ideally, plan A is escape. Plan B, we're going to have to go to war. I agree. So, consider this scrimmage thrown from our end. You're saying we go out here, we lose the scrimmage take in the sights, try to figure out if there's any escape routes, piece it all together, and hope to God when the real thing occurs, we can get out of here. That sounds like a plan to me. I'd agree with that, but if we can drown some of the other team, that just means we got a weaker team that we're facing if we can't escape. So, that'd be a good idea to take this somewhat seriously. Maybe not, you know. Only thing, I would be slightly wary about that because we don't know exactly what the guards are going to bring down enough so we do end up killing a few of them. We could just be making things worse for ourselves for all we know. You know, I figure this is a slave trading company. A lot of other slaves, but taking out some of the juicy ones might be a good idea. So right when you say that... Noel, I'm gonna... Right when you do it, say that the door kind of creaks open, it makes you all jump, and you all like to kind of scramble to try and cover the map. Um, the door opens, but the guard doesn't come all the way, and you just hear like kind of some scratching and like maybe scuffling in the hall, and you hear the guard like, ah, no, ah, and he like pushes Noel into the cell, and he's like, he's on your team, he can't get along with anybody else, and then he slams the oh. door behind the Noel, and then Noel just like. <laughs> Like, looks at everyone, you know, like, kind of licking its chops all crazy in the corner. Hello! You're just gonna hear Zuzu say, son of a bitch. You know, I'm actually okay with this. I like this guy. Anybody have any meat? You got any of that soup, 
Cedric? Can you feed him? Oh, uh, fresh out of soup. Uh, on behalf of the group, uh, welcome. Is there... I'm going to grab a spear and stand in between him and the rest of everybody else. He's just, like, sitting on the floor gnawing on his own, like, hind leg. Like... And slobbering all over the floor. Well, he might make a good distraction. Dante takes one of those spears and begins humming a little bit as he is kind of, like, scratching his name into the wall. And then he kind of snaps over at Null and points at it. And then tries to pass him the spear and kind of like a, trying to create a bonding moment for to express language to one another. Are you using a spell here? No, just trying to use some of my bardic talents to see if I to can... Calm him a bit? Yeah, just kind of calm him and create some kind of tactic or team here out of this chaos. <laughs> Sure, why don't you make a little charisma roll? I'm going to say a disadvantage, because this guy is not receptive. Oh, no. no. There you that, go. Though. <laughs> well, your advantage will cancel, so you just roll normal. You said make a charisma? Yep. Normal? Gotcha. Ah, it doesn't work. <laughs> he cool. just, he like looks up at you as you get close, and he's like, What a omega soup! And then he just keeps like gnawing on his own leg again. I'm calling him soup from now on. It's the only thing I got out of that. Anybody else? Any luck understanding that? Don't give him the spear. Just please don't give him the spear. Hello, uh, soup. We are your teammates. Soup. Yes, we're here to help. Now, you've certainly got spunk and got a, a go-get-him attitude. And I think, well, if you do good for us, more soup for soup. Soup. Precisely. <laughs> he just, like, pants his tongue, you know, and, like, kind of has that dumb cross-eyed look on his face still. Yeah, weird. we pretty much everybody knows that these things aren't really sentient, right? They're not really communicable. I mean, that's what I I think he's giving off to you, but there are you know that some Null tribes have like diplomatic relations with like the prince, actually, in the north. Okay, but I don't know. You might also just dismiss it like the cat worship that happens in Sarkan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, like it or not. If it does come to blows, I'm personally going to be glad to have some kind of freak like him on our team. I agree. I'm just going to prod him out front. Um, I think that's a good idea. So, do you guys do any more planning? What kind of uh, what kind of boats are we talking about here? Are we talking about triremes? Are we talking about uh, about uh, ore-driven boats? Sail only, like what? What are we looking at? They're like, yeah, the Viking style, single sail with oars. Okay. In this case, well, we've got time. We can at least plan for the real thing. We're gonna need someone to be able to direct the boat while we're out there. A figurehead. That's probably gonna be well, 
I look over at Zuzu. Whoever's got the crown. Ideally, in these sorts of battles, you have uh, a few options. These are going to be fast-moving boats, so we're going to need a way to either light their boats on fire from a distance or either ram into them and hope that we can board their side for close-quarters combat or we can capsize their boats. Any of those three options will do. Yeah. Uh, We try to get them in the water. We know they're going to come after the necromancer, which is me, so we can make it use of that by maybe trying to draw some of them into a more aggressive attack surround them or something but I don't have much river combat so I'm, I'm thinking we ram somebody and board a boat and throw them in the water the f- agreeing the faster we can disable their as fast as, the faster we can disable their equipment and their boats, the better chance it gives us. They keep moving, we're at a disadvantage. Exactly. Uh, I'm gonna be looking around for cannons in here. We yeah, I'm use those. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna be looking around at the uh, at what we've got available. Are we finding like you said guns and cannons? But are there like more primitive stuff like? bows or or Mm -hmm. arrows that can be lit on fire yep Uh, there's bows spears uh i think there's you know just like some basic swords they let you keep whatever armor you got or weapon you had as well um but the main thing they give you i think like yeah spears bows uh rifles and cannons like the traditional boat warfare stuff personally i worry about the cannons capsizing our own boat with the recoil (laughs) <laughs> These are also cool, like, mini, like, three-quarter scale cannons. They shoot smaller cannonballs because you're in slightly smaller boats. Oh, okay. And they don't want you, like, hitting the people on the shore, etc. Okay, okay. That's a little, that's more reasonable than what I had in my brain. They still, like, can shoot grape shot and shit and fuck your boat up. <laughs> and chain shot. They give you champ sure that they, they give you, like, a, a few different kinds of, you know, balls you can throw in there and they have chain shot with it, so... That's always fun. Uh, do I have my spell book? Sure, yeah. Okay. They, like, assume these things are tools of your, uh, you know, gladiation. So. They let you keep them for the most part. Alright, so if you don't want to do any more planning, you're going to roll up the map and keep it for now, Cora. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think so. I just think after... It hasn't. She hasn't felt like super good vibes from the whole party. She's like not excited about um, like ripping it up. But I think that she will like be like, I'm gonna try to find something. I have extra paper now, so like I'm gonna try to find something so that we can all have so, like she has you know like something to write with. Sure. Does anyone argue with that for now? No. I'm. If she wants to hold on to it, it let her. We're a team now, so you gotta trust her. Um, yeah. I think at this point, Dieter is like, um, "What are we supposed to do when we're on the boat?" Keep us ammoed up. Load the ca- load whatever cannons we take. Ensure that everyone has arrows. Keep your head above. Uh, keep your head low. He gives a solemn nod. We can do that. He looks at Roscoe, and he's like, Is it a problem that me and Roscoe... Well, 
We can't swim. Ideally, it won't be, because this bow ain't gonna fucking capsize. It might be a problem in the scrimmage, actually. Do we have floaties? Does anyone have floaties? I don't have floaties. Roscoe looks like very worried at Cora when you say this. Oh, you'll be fine, honey. Just, you know, stay low. And, you know, if you do find yourself in the water, just, you know, try to get air in your shirt on your way down. Or you could just grab onto something. If there's if the boat's exploding, there's going to be something to grab onto. Yeah, he, that's a good point. He's like, will, will you stay close to me? Oh, don't you worry about it. I'll be right there. And are there do we know if there are islands in the Colosseum? Well, the chain, or is it all water. The towers are sometimes part of it. Like they use them as like you know guard towers with cannons and stuff. Um, and there are also the yes, like rocks and promontories around the base of the natural rocks that the towers sit on that you can use as well. We can also drop them off on one of the islands. That might be the safest option. We can pick you up after the scrimmage is over. Hey, listen. I know they're just kids, but they've got to have their use, right? I mean, of course on. they have a use. Yeah, I'm not saying they don't have a use. I'm just saying that I'm on, I'm not planning on winning this scrimmage. I'm expecting the boat to go down. I mean, Dieter if said the boat he goes down, we die. Dieter said he would reload, even though he can't swim. Yeah, but like, even I like this. This ain't the real thing. I'm not really yeah. sweating whether we win or not on this one. The kids don't. The kids want to be safer. They're safer on solid ground. I guess and what we I'm just asking. Just up close to the something, the shore. Yeah, we're, we're entertaining no asking, one. Dieter Roscoe, have you ever used a bow or a sword or a rifle or anything? Or why did you even end up in here? Your children. Dieter's like, well, we use a knife sometimes when we cut people's purses open. Uh, that answers both questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's nothing they could have done that should have made him end up in here. Well, apparently the shopkeeper we stole from, the, the shop's owned by Lord Jericho. Uh, we, we didn't know. Of course you didn't know. You're just babies. Ah. Uh. First thing about a take, kid. Always, always know who the mark is. So you end up in high water. He just like nods. He's taking in your criminal knowledge. <laughs> um, Does somebody have to row? Cora's like strong. Like she has a high strength, so if somebody has to like row, mm-hmm. like she could do that. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know a lot about boats in real life. Yeah, you guys do have sails, but probably one or two people need to be like rowing to kind of keep you moving. If that's a strength thing, then she would say, like, you know, my sleeves might cover it, but I'm pretty strong. So if that's if that'll help, I can do it. Yeah, I mean, that'll be helpful. We can't rely on sails in this kind of environment. Being mobile, using oars, that's how we're going to, you know, outspeed our competition, hoping that they aren't quite as knowledgeable about naval warfare. Yeah, we just need to see if we're going to be outnumbered or if we're the horde that are coming in you know we need to need to just kind of do our best in this this initial battle that's why i'm kind of against setting the kids on the shore they need to get their sea legs under them we're not going to be able to protect them for their entire lives and we're not going to be able to protect them forever here for sure no matter what i mean they could get hit by a cannonball standing on the shore so, and she kind I of like hits you, like, no, don't be 
not in front of the little one. You know, <laughs> life is harsh, okay? And, uh, I think if they just stay out of my way, I'll do my best to make sure they come out of this thing alive. Yeah, and they better stay out of my way, too. <laughs> no woods already. So, oh god, I can hear Zerka now. The the card the guards come and you know open the door and they're like, "You you ready? Time's up. Scrimmage." What yeah. say you lads? Do you want to give it a go? Take your fate into your own hands. <laughs> Bone yeah, Legion on three. What? <laughs> Bone Legion on three. Yes, yeah, okay. Ah. yeah, okay, I'll do that. Why not? One, two, three. Bone, Bone Legion. Let's get the fuck out there. Yeah. So they lead you through like these bleak, just like plain gray stone staircases that just wind and wind down a shaft forever through like the center of the tower uh, and eventually come out at the natural stone on which the tower sits on in the bay. And they lead you down some natural stairs to a little dock area on the backside of the tower where they have all the boats, you know, kind of corralled up on some docks. And uh, they start loading you up on your different ships. And this is when you see the others coming out as well. You see Kesna. You see her dirty, angry-looking friends. They are eyeing Noel angrily. Some of them have large bite marks and bandages on their faces and arms from the fight earlier this day. And, uh, yeah, they kind of all load on the boats as they eye you, and Kesnick gives you, like, a finger across the throat, you know, as she looks at you all loading into your boat. Dante gives her kind of a wave. <laughs> I think Cedric sees that. He's like, oh, come on, we we just met him, and he's not, he's not really with us. Like, sees that they're all angry at the knoll. <laughs> So uh, they, um, the guards come over and they give you a bunch of gunpowder and they're like, you know, no bullets, but still gunpowder for Lord Jericho's enjoyment. And they like kind of look up to the other tower where they don't keep prisoners, Jericho's personal tower, the other one. And you see him sitting on the only balcony coming out of the smooth face of the stone tower, like up there with his, you know, fancy dogs and his harem kind of watching over the, the bay. Hey, you all remember when I was saying probably no one's gonna die during this scrimmage? We're probably yes. gonna have to kill some people on that boat. The guard's like, shut up! No. Masks on! Uh, mask on, yeah. <laughs> and then he, like, kicks the boat out into the harbor, and he's like, you start at the east <sighs> end, and he points to, like, kind of the docks over here. And you guys kind of paddle out into position. The other boats paddle out to face you on the opposite side of the harbor over over here. It's a big harbor. It's yeah. It's like you know, almost a mile, about a mile across. So you're you're in this like kind of area between the rocks and the docks over here. And uh, yeah, pretty soon they uh, shout. You know, from the tower, Jericho shouts like, "Begin!" And uh, the, the other two boats, which are much larger and also contain quite a few more crew members than you have, start charging at you. And uh, pretty much immediately, you know, as they get close enough to fire their rifles, they turn abroad of you and they, uh, you know, Kesna gives the order for everyone to fire. And of course, uh, a real iron bullet rips a hole through the side of your boat right in front of Cedric. 
They're firing! It's live ammunition! Yeah, fucking figures. Noel says, Soup. <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna be soup. What do we do? Does Positions! Listen to the null. Everybody in the soup! <laughs> soup, everyone! Into the soup! Soup position! Return fire! Return fire! So you don't have any bullets, but you have gunpowder. But they're not far now. They're within firing range, at least, so they're not too far away. Either way, this is where we will roll initiative next time. Right. Do we, we roll now, or nah. do we roll next time? Yeah, that makes sense. We'll, we'll roll next time at the beginning. Okay. That was great. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah. I am genuinely excited. I love everything about this group dynamic. <laughs> Me too. It's fun so far. The I was worried the gladiator uh, being a prisoner would be too boring, but it's been fun and interesting so far. I love soup. I really want soup to live. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how he does. Uh, real quick, let's do the end of session council. Probably don't have much to go over since it's session one. But with our goal system at the end of every session, we always do the council. All right. <clears throat> Anybody accomplish a goal? I don't think so yet. But if you think you did, drop Me it. Either. Anybody get close? I don't think so. I don't think so. Alright, and playing on beliefs, I don't think anybody quite got that yet either, but I think, Corey, you got pretty close. You're starting to bark up that tree, which is great. Thanks. So, we'll see more of that next time. But I'll give everybody uh, just one XP for first session. Hooray! And if you scroll all the way down in this handout, you can see the XP for level. So you need three for level two. Is there a place for that on my sheet? You just gotta make one of the little note okay. squares, Thank probably. You. I don't know if there is an XP. The sheet's pretty sp check. pretty sparse. Nah, it just has, okay. yeah, it just has the level part at the top. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, great session, everybody. Yeah, I love it. Okay, everybody. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, everybody.